Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This was supposed to have been a really joyous day. I mean, it has been 12 weeks, three long months, three months since we have worshipped together as God's family in God's house. I had this day all planned out. I would write a wonderful service. There would be special music to beat the band. The sermon would be better than average. We would celebrate. We would whoop it up a little bit. We would raise the roof on this place, as we have done on so many special days before. But last week, all of a sudden, celebrating at least a partial victory in our invisible war against the virus didn't seem to be that important anymore. Because there was a new war on the block, wasn't there? And this war was plainly visible, impossible to miss. A senseless murder, justifiable protests, and then riots and destruction and anger and fear and chaos and it's still going on. As I sat there last week with my wife watching our nation unravel slowly on television, we said a few things, and I'm sure that you said them too. What's wrong with our world? What's our world coming to, and what will the world be like for our children and our grandchildren? That was the moment when I realized that I would not be preaching from the book of Ezra today as I had planned, where the Israelites return from Babylon and rebuild the temple and gather together uh, in God's house to worship for the first time in 70 years. Nope, wasn't going to preach on that. Instead, all I could think about were the words of Jesus Words that Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, where Jesus talked about this world. And he says to his disciples, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Only 15 words. And the four key words in this text, in that verse, well, they're pertinent. They matter. They relate to what we and our world are going through right now. In the world, you will have tribulation, Jesus tells us. Tribulation from the Greek word thlipsis, which means trouble, distress, oppression, tribulation, suffering. Yep, we've checked all those boxes haven't we? Then Jesus says, take heart from the Greek word therasso, which means to be, to be courageous. And I get that because I've got a little cowardly lion going on here right now. I'm scared and I could use a cup or two of therasso. How about you? But then Jesus says this. He says, I have overcome the world, he proclaims. Overcome, nechano, to conquer, prevail, overcome, triumph, be victorious. Be victorious and overcome what? The sinful world. 
with all of its sin and death and hatred and racism and discrimination and pain and heartache and suffering. Yes, Jesus, that's exactly what our nation needs. That's what we need. That's what we want to overcome as well. But Jesus, won't you show us how to do that? And he will. But overcoming that world won't have anything to do with force or violence. Jesus will win the victory over every single form and variety and symptom of sin in our world, but he won't use power or violence to achieve that victory. Although he could have. Only a few hours after Jesus spoke the words of our text, he finds himself arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know what happened. Peter pulls out a machete and starts to pierce a few ears, doesn't he? Remember what Jesus said to him, Peter, get rid of your sword. If I wanted to fight, I could summon an army of angels with a single word. But Peter, that's not the way my heavenly Father wants me to win this war. Oh, Jesus will overcome the sinful world, all right, but he won't use violence. He won't lower himself to that kind of level to do it. And this is, by the way, the very same strategy used by Martin Luther King Jr. Listen to these quotes. Dr. King said, Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. He also said this, and these are beautiful words too. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And Jesus would agree with that 150%. Christ's weapon of choice in his war was love. I mean, that's why Jesus came to this earth in the first place. For God so loved. And that's what drove Jesus to carry the world's collective load of hatred and racism and injustice and greed and indifference upon his back and then dump it at the foot of the cross where he would cover it and erase it and delete it with his holy, precious blood. Love was the weapon of Jesus. In fact, you know, John, uh, our gospel writer, would later talk about this in his epistle. He would say, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice of our sins. I mean, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep out of love, doesn't he? The source of the power that Jesus had and still has over this sinful world. It's not very complicated, that source is love. Take heart, Jesus says. Be courageous, for I have overcome the world. Now I want you to consider something this morning, and that something is this. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer, then by definition, you are an over overcomer too. 
your job, your calling, your life's work as a Christian is to imitate your Savior. In fact, Luther used to call God's people, used to call Christians little Christs. Your life's work as a Christian is to be a foot soldier in the ongoing battle against our sin-tainted world. And, and if you're serious about doing this, about serving as one of Christ's overcomers, it begins by taking a very honest and intimate and deep look within your own heart. Because you are a racist too, and so am I. I mean, I'll admit it. I have had moments of racism. I've had moments of discrimination. I mean, I have considered myself to be superior to others for all kinds of reasons. And so have you. You know that it's true. I mean, if a stranger were to walk down the center aisle of our church this morning with their family and sit in the front pew, I mean, they would be judged before they could crack open a hymnal. They would be judged by the amount of melanin in their skin or how they dress or the car they drive or the house in which they live or the school attended by their children or where they work or whether or not their kids play sports. We've all done it. The key is looking into your heart and weeding out that kind of discrimination and then simply but powerfully asking God to forgive you. Then and only then are you ready to become one of Christ's overcomers in the battle against the sinful world. And you will be armed and dangerous in that battle. Armed with the weapon of Jesus, and that's love. But it's an implement of war that takes on many different guises and looks and strategies such as love your neighbor as yourself. What would Jesus do? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Love your enemies. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. All right, I, I know what you're thinking at this point. Pastor, this sounds all uh, well and, and good. Thank you for the sermon thus far. But pastor, can I really, you know, one person, can I really make a difference in what's going on in the world right now? And I get that. I, I understand where you're coming from because how can one person change the educational system in our nation or ensure a living wage for all or, or strip a culture and a national conscience down to the studs and rebuild it? I mean, no one person could ever accomplish that. But that's not what Jesus wants you to do. What Jesus wants you to do is to imitate his love and overcome the small little piece of this sinful world where you live. In other words, what are you teaching your children or your grandchildren about people who appear to be different than they are? Aren't we all God's children? Didn't Jesus die for all? Shouldn't we love everyone like Jesus did? 
what are you teaching your children or your grandchildren, you know, through your actions and your words about compassion and forgiveness and, and giving others the benefit of the doubt? Because you see, overcoming this sinful world, it won't begin at a protest march or in Congress or online or in a lecture hall somewhere. No. Overcoming the sinful world, imitating Jesus, will begin in your living room, or in your car, or around your kitchen table. For Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Are you willing to imitate him? Are you willing to become an overcomer? Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.